Dr. Tremaine Bartley is the eldest of three siblings. Him, his brother, and sister were raised by parents who were entrepreneurs. His younger siblings took notice of his hard work as he paved the way for them by setting a good example. In his last year of high school, a chance meeting one morning would lead him into a full scholarship at Benedict College, a prestigious HBCU in South Carolina. His stellar performance at the undergraduate level ushered him into dental school at the University of Connecticut. His fascination with science and inspiration from his parents led him to not only cultivate a love for business, but a love for helping people. Dr. Bartley is a long way from Jamaica, but the lessons and values he learned on the island have stayed with him. Today, he is a dedicated father and husband and owns a thriving orthodontic practice. He works from three locations in the state of Connecticut. The young man who dreamed of being an entrepreneur took a leap of faith and is building an incredible legacy. Oh yeah, and his siblings? They too are both Dr. Bartley. They followed the lead of their big brother. Both of them are now dentists. Interestingly, Dr. Bartley works with his brother, and although their sister lives in another state, the three are each other's biggest cheerleaders. A leader, entrepreneur, excellent orthodontist, and more, Dr. Tremaine Bartley is the definition of discipline, sacrifice, and hard work. With plans to expand his business even more, there's no telling what giant moves he'll make next. This is the story, thus far, of Dr. Tremaine Bartley. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30. He's an entrepreneur, he is a philanthropist, and perhaps most importantly, he's the father of two, Dr. Tremaine Bartley. Welcome to Planet 30. Hi, welcome to all the listeners out there. Um, thank you for having me and looking forward to speak a little, you know, talk about my journey, um, some of the highlights, some of the things I wish I could take back and try again. But along the way, um, there was a lot of learning and think I'm, you know, doing my best as I progress. Now, Dr. Bartley, you grew up in Jamaica. Tell us about your childhood in Jamaica. Yes, I grew up in Portmore, Jamaica, right maybe 50 meters from the beach um, in a place in Portmore called Bayside. So Portmore, you might be familiar, is where Vibes Cartel is from. We are. <laughs> um, but not only Vibes Cartel, but a number of other entertainers um, are from there. You know, Lady Saw, um, who else? Shaq and Dimas and Pliers, you know, quite, quite a few people. But um, 
Portmore is known to be a large suburb outside of Kingston. So as the 70s progressed in Jamaica and Kingston just became too saturated, the government reclaimed a lot of land um, in an area of St. Catherine, which is the parish border in Kingston. And that reclaimed land is called Portmore. You know, so people will crack jokes to say, you know, oh, Portmore was a swamp and it's a dump. Well, that's actually true. They blasted the side of a hill off and that's how they reclaimed a swamp. And that's where I grew up. So what you're saying to me is that had it not been for dentistry, it would have been Bartley Cartel or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I definitely won't um, say that my talent <laughs> is is anywhere near um, or my uh, understanding uh, of poetry is anywhere near um, Mr. Palmer. Um, Mr. Palmer? <laughs> if it was not dentistry. Um, not sure, you know, I, the entrepreneurial spirit runs very deep within my veins, so I'm sure it might have been, um, some sort of business endeavor. And, th- and that was my next question to you. What, what was the dream coming up as a, as a, as a child, you know, people wanted to be pilots or doctors or lawyers or, you know, you tend to, you tend to want to become what you see. Um, and so you're saying that. Some type of entrepreneur on some level was in in the cards. Well, in a way, um, not that I'm attracted to dentistry because of the entrepreneurship. You know, um, orthodontics stands out to me because it blends art with science. Um, and at the end of the day, I'm I like it because I'm helping people. I'm helping people become their more confident selves because your smile is actually your best accessory. Um, so I'm, dentistry appealed to me, um, not because of that, but, um, I know that, um, if I wasn't involved in this field, um, it would have been, you know, something along the lines of business just because of the influence of my parents. Hmm. Tell us a bit about that. What, what types of businesses did your parents have? Quite a few. (laughs) So (laughs) my mom was a teacher. Growing up, my mom was a teacher. Um, However, on weekends, um, some weekends, even though she was a teacher, she'd pull me out of school on a Friday so we could all fly to Miami um, so that because I was paying a child's fare um, at that time that existed um, and we would go to Miami and then using my extra allowance for the cheaper fare, she was able to bring back more goods to sell um, as her side hustle. So even though teaching was her main job, she always had a side hustle. We would go to Miami Friday morning. Some days we would return home Friday night. You know, four suitcases full of things. Um, I remember changing in... Miami airport's bathroom multiple times, you know, um, you know, uh, we we would go and we would just, my mom would purchase a change of clothes so that I didn't come home in the same clothes I left in in the morning. Um, Or there were times we would stay one night in Miami um, before coming back. You know, it was, it wasn't a vacation. It was, we were going for business. Going to work. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And 
and my with my father as well you know there were multiple times that i um i made that trip until one day you know after my friends were teasing me that oh you're only you're only going to america to eat your breakfast and come home um i was complaining to my parents like can you stop bringing me <laughs> so they started bringing my brother <laughs> my father similarly um throughout the years you know he worked for the government but at various times would stop you know open a store or two at a time you know he sold car parts at one time so i always knew that um somehow you know in my life i would want to own a business now when it was time for when it was time for you to look at at university you know many people in the caribbean they end up going to england or they end up going to ue especially being from jamaica the ue is right there down the street now you opted to go to the united states and you have a very interesting story about as to how that happened tell us a story about uh how that happened from high school i remember that day vividly um i was actually walking out to go catch my ride to go to school i was in sixth form um I was very interested in twelfth grade for the American listeners. <laughs> um, I was very interested in coming to America for um, college, so I'd taken the SATs. I'd applied to a few schools. Well, 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 why America and not UE or England or Canada? Growing up, um, because I traveled to America frequently, um, I sort of like the country um believed in the dream believed in the dream you know i i um traveled here after taking my cxc exams which is or 11th grade exams and spent a few weeks in the summer and you know i was like wow i, I could come to college here you know on their scholarships my eyes started open op um, open to that um my mother wanted me to go to Yui. You know, she was like, "No, you're stay you're not, home. You're not leaving. You're you're staying right here." <laughs> um, and actually, she was applying to go to Yui. So her dream was that her and I would go to Yui together, because uh, at that point she hadn't had um, her bachelor's degree. She only had a certificate in teaching. So she was, you know, talking about it. Yes, you know, we'll be there together. I would pick you up. And, you know, in my head, I'm like, pick you up. yeah, I'm not going to go to college with my mom. <laughs> no, thanks. <laughs> um, Why not? Sounds like fun. <laughs> but, um, you know, so she supported me, um, albeit begrudgingly. Um, so I <laughs> but I took it up on myself to figure out how getting from school in Jamaica um, you know, then how to get to school in America. So I found SAT classes. I took the exam. I studied. I applied myself. Um, and you want you on a mission. I was on a mission. I joined every extracurricular activity that I could because um, I was told that you know that is something that colleges look at. So I became editor of the yearbook, student council president. You know, I I was Mister Everything. Right, you know, um, and so 
I had gotten a few acceptances, but um, it still required me to, you know, take a large loan or um, a large student loan to to um, get into college, which every person I knew that could co-sign for me, I was already, you know, talking to them, convincing them how good of an investment it's going to be, you know, if they co-sign my loans. Um, Even as a teenager? As a teenager. However, you know, it, it was still would be a large endeavor because um, certainly, you know, my parents could not afford to uh, fund my education in America. Um, as luck would have it, I was walking to go catch my ride to school in the morning and my neighbor mentioned to me that, you know, hey, there's a college fair going on today. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know about it. You know, and he was like, yeah, you know, some some schools are there. Um, you know, you should check it out if you can. And he told me it would be at the Jamaica Conference Center. Um, so I got to school. I was speaking with one of my friends and said, you know, well, there's a college fair. You know, we should check it out. And so we went to our sixth form coordinator um, to ask him to sign us out of school. He refused because... <laughs> He, he wanted me to give him some information on something that was happening at school, and I refused. Um, he wanted you to snitch. <laughs> That's what it so, sounds like. So I didn't take the stitches. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he refused to sign me out of school. Um, however, um, perseverance is is probably my greatest personal attribute or dis so. or disobedience <laughs> however you want to look at it <laughs> we'll go um, we'll go with perseverance the guy was on a mission remember that that's my story and i'm sticking to it <laughs> he was on a mission um actually you know basically hopped the fence to get out of school that day um went to the college fair um was speaking to a recruiter, speak, spoke to two, one from South Carolina State University, another from Benedict College. And these are schools I've actually never heard of in my life. Um, you know, I came to find out they were HBCUs. Um, Did you know at the time what, what an HBCU was? I had no idea. All I heard was college and scholarship. <laughs> the two keywords. Two right, right, right. You know, and I heard bachelor's degree. That's free ninety nine, and I'm like, that's for me. Where do I, where do I sign up? Sir? Yes, I'm like, sign me up. Um, so I actually, you know, hopped the fence, got out of school, spoke to the recruiters, and I was offered a scholarship on the spot. Mm. Um. Based on your... Based on just speaking to them, telling them what my scores were. Um, and I actually... This was in Kingston. Um, and they were there for the rest of the day. I went in the morning. And I said, you know what? I'll go home. I'll get my scores. Um, so I took the bus, went home, picked up a copy of my SAT scores, a copy of my transcript, went back to the conference center to show them and they were like, yes, this is it. <laughs> you, you have a scholarship. And now, 
the school I was most interested in um, was South Carolina State. Okay. Um, and, you know, a few months went by. I didn't hear anything from them. Um, and But Benedict College, which is another school I, um, uh, I spoke to the day, sent me an official letter for full trustee club scholarship. Full acceptance. Full acceptance. And full scholarship. Full scholarship. Now, which means you didn't have to pay for room and board or tuition. And it covered books. And books. Yeah. It's very important because <laughs> books can get up to the $500 mark. Right. Um, and that, that was it. You know, I, I came to find out a few years later. Um, my mom actually found a newspaper clipping of when I was speaking to the person at South Carolina State. Get out. Um, right? And um, my brother and sister actually ended up going to South Carolina State. So they knew the lady well. And they actually did an investigation because they were like, we don't know what happened um, to your application. Because you should have gotten a scholarship to come to South Carolina State. Oh, okay. You know, but... I, I had, you know, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Exactly. I had that acceptance to um, Benedict, and that's where I went. And um, another story is I Howard was at the same college fair, and um, you've heard of them, right? <laughs> Might have heard of them. Might have heard of them. Um, you listen to this podcast, you've heard of them. <laughs> Howard University called and my little sister picked up the phone because back then we didn't have a cell phone. Right. You know, so they called the house home. My little sister picked up the phone and hung up and they called back. And I think by that time I had already left to go up? to Benedict. And my mom said, oh, you know, Howard called and said they would have offered you a scholarship. And then my sister was like, oh, yeah, they called. She was seven at the time. <laughs> they called like a month ago and I hung up on them. <laughs> right. Wow. Wow. And the great irony of this story is that she ended up going to Howard. She ended up going to Howard for dental school. For dental school. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, it life... Um, they say life can change on a dime. Yeah. In the blink of an eye. And I think that... Had you, you know, not walked out of your house... At that very At that precise moment, moment mm-hmm. the neighbor would not have seen you. Right. And say, hey, Trim, you know, there's a there's a college uh, affair today. Mm-hmm. Like, if you weren't armed with that information, you'd have gone to school... And be harassed by the coordinator about whatever incident went on. Right. And your day would have gone on. Just like that. And had I had I not decided that, you know what, I'm not going to let you stop me today. Right, right, right. <laughs> had you not hopped that fence. <laughs> no, you that's, know? that's interesting. That's had had interesting. I not decided, you know what, I don't have my SAT score on me, but I'm going to go and get it. But t- so t- tell me about your experience um, at Benedict. Were you Mr. Mister Everything there as well? Or was it more 
let me concentrate on this undergrad and hold on to the scholarship. <laughs> Benedict was a mixed bag. Mm. Um, I arrived at Benedict. I was 17 years old. Um, I, as luck would have it, I um, got a summer job. I worked and, um, you know, saved up all my money. So that by the end of the summer, I had the large sum of, you know, I could purchase U.S. dollars from the Jamaican I earned. It was less than $1,000, mm. you know. So I was rich. <laughs> <laughs> so I arrived at Benedict. Um, I had a connecting flight um, in Charlotte. And my luggage didn't make my downline, so... I arrived with only the knapsack I had on my back. Wow. You know, welcome to America. <laughs> you and your backpack. Yep. So, but no, so tell me, at that time you mentioned, okay, you wanted to be an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurship was in your blood. You were headed toward doing what? In school. So when you entered Benedict, were you immediately a science major? I was, a, I was a science major, but this was my plan. Okay. I started Benedict as an engineering major, right. physics and engineering major, because my dream was to become a CEO. Hmm. And so I wanted to do an engineering degree first before doing my MBA. And at the time, my, my big dream was... Uh, Digicel was like a year old in Jamaica. Right. And I was like, I'm going to be CEO of Digicel Coming back when Digicel. I come back home. You know. So that that was my 17-year-old self. Um, that was a dream. Interesting. Now, I love science. But then I quickly figured out that I'm a people person. You know, I like speaking to people. I like helping people. Which, um, which would have helped you in the whole CEO thing. Right, but then, you know, the path to get there would involve, um, you know, working with things more than people. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, the humanistic side in me um, said, you know, it, it, dentistry appealed to me because it's, it's the first time I went to shadow a dentist, um, Somebody came in, you know, in a lot of pain, and he helped that person out. And if you could see the look of gratitude relief. in their eyes and relief, mm. you know, anybody that has had um, dental pain, um, yeah, I know, <laughs> knows that um, that relief that you get, you know, because of how bad dental pain can be and how debilitating. Um, and so that struck a chord with you. That struck a very big chord with me, you know. So I started to investigate it more, and there's a lot of science involved, but there's a little bit of art. Mm, of course, of course. You know, there's there's a little bit of you know um, I'm gonna do it this way. So that was sort of your eureka moment when you said, ah. So, but why did you go to the shadow of the dentist in the first place? I. Decided I didn't want to um, become an engineer mm -hmm. um, as much as I like science. Um, so I was looking at different careers. So 
I shadowed a physician, I shadowed a dentist, um, I shadowed somebody that was a PhD researcher. Um, I bet know, that I was, was exciting. <laughs> I was really looking at, you know, diff- different careers um, that my, because I was going to do a science degree, um, but, you know, something that would, would uh, what would be the next step? Because I, I knew that I didn't want to just stop at my bachelor's. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there, there was going to be more. So, Dr. Bartley, you, you, you move on to UConn, and you become a Husky, as they say in Connecticut. What was the experience like in dental school? Now, why I want you to comment on this is because I know we do have several younger listeners, and sort of shape, paint a picture for anyone, I keep saying younger, but it could be anyone, who's interested in dental school. What are some of the big expectations? And let us know some of the things you didn't expect to find in dental school that you had to sort of go through. It was very eye-opening when I started dental school. I grew up in Jamaica and went to an HBCU afterwards. Um, So going to UConn Dental School, which was a big change for me because um, it was a predominantly Caucasian institution. Um, So I wasn't very comfortable socially at first. Coming from Benedict, where I used to throw parties on Saturday nights, the reggae club, um, I used to be the doorman there. You know, I I was a little bit more popular, let's say. Right. um, In Columbia, South Carolina. Um, So coming to Hartford, Connecticut, um, bit of a change a big change the weather you know the people um i was coming from benedict where i was valedictorian you know so quote unquote you know the smart guy in the room to small fish <laughs> big big fish small pond right small you know, fish big pond right you know and i was like wow these kids are smart you know um i'm, I'm gonna have to really apply myself um, so it was, it was different. Um, it took me a little bit of time to settle in, to adapt. Um, but with my immigrant background, I think that adapting is what I do. You know, it's, it's just a way of survival, a way of life. Um, and you had a goal and, you know, and as, as I said, you know, perseverance you know, it's it's when I put my mind to something, you know, there's nothing or no one or no way, you know, that I'd allow myself to not achieve that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I can't find a way around it or above it, you go through it or under it. There you go. So the academic rigors were a lot harder. Um, so that was a big change for me. You know, I had to constantly be reading, be studying. I was a chemistry major um, for my undergrad degree. So everything I knew about biological sciences, they covered in like the first two hours of dental school. So after that, everything was new. (laughs) You said the first two hours. The first two hours, you know, in the, I remember the very first lecture, the, the lecturer said, this is all things you know. 
I will never ask you this on a test. Don't write this down. And I was like, wow, <laughs> I don't know some of this stuff. <laughs> um, He's like, get ready. Right. But, you know, with applying myself and, you know, I, I definitely work through it. You know, um, socializing was a little harder. Um, you know, I, I didn't make friends as easily, but uh, in the end, I've, you know, made lifelong friends. But, but, but you're Mr. People Man. Why was this a problem? It, it was different. Cultural difference. It was, it was I, I hit that cultural barrier mm. because I had come from the background of, you know, um, always being in the majority. Right. To now, right. I actually felt like a minority. Minority, gotcha. And that was the first time for me. So very important to note for those who are going into new situations and new environments, could be a new country, could be a new school. You know, what are some of the tools that allowed you to eventually adapt? Well, just like anything else, I applied myself. You know, so knowing that, you know, I had to... Say hello be, to people. <laughs> well, that, that wasn't hard for me. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, we had a lot of small group sessions. So I would always take on leadership roles, you know, force myself to speak up um, in small group sessions. And I saw that that would actually bring some people around me, you know, some others, you know, um, they, they wanted, there's, there's a lot of competition in professional school. At least they knew your name. <laughs> so, you know, I, I definitely held my ground and, you know, held my own. Applied myself socially too, you know, to make sure that um, I networked as much as possible, mm -hmm. um, you know, because I believe that it's who you know as well as what you know, you know, and you can't discount the value of either one. Now, Dr. Bartley, we all know that the dentist is necessary. I don't think many like going to dentists. Some people may enjoy Except for me. Okay. Yeah, well. Um, now, tell me, in, just in, in general terms, people treat going to the doctor for a common cold as more important than, you know, perhaps getting their teeth cleaned, you know? I'll go next year. I'll go a couple months from now. In general, explain to the audience why is dentistry so important? Just as a whole. Well, the mouth is a gateway to the body. Mm -hmm. And, you know, digestion begins in the mouth. The body, as it evolved, actually um, put a very high concentration of nerve endings um, in the lips, mouth, tongue, and teeth. And so because of that, this is one of the most sensitive areas of the body. It takes very highly specialized skill um, to treat the mouth, to keep it in optimal working condition. And when it's not in optimal working condition, you know, digestion is going to suffer. Um, it's an area where inflammation um, from the mouth could spread to our other parts of the body, hmm. such as your heart, you know. Um, Speak and... a little bit about that, because a lot of people don't seem to realize. And admittedly, I didn't realize until probably my mid-20s. When I read a story about, an, an, an unfortunate story 
about a little boy who had um, tooth decay. And his mother couldn't afford to take him to the dentist. They were impoverished. And unfortunately, the little boy died because it affected his heart. And I'd never put those two together before that. Right. So if if I'm thinking of the same story, it's a little boy in Maryland, DeMonte. Could, well, you've got the name. <laughs> so what happened with DeMonte is he had a um, an infection spread from his canine that actually went to his brain. His canine? Yeah. Because the canine is actually where the root of that tooth is, is very close to the the bottom of your brain. And so infections can actually travel throughout the body. And unfortunately, you know, that untreated infection um, caused the passing of that young man. And so in a rich country like America, that is something that should never happen. And I hope it never happens again. I didn't realize... I have to take a step back here. The root of the canine you're saying is near to the bottom of the brain. Yes. Interesting. Are there any other teeth like that? <laughs> so the canines have a long root. So the, the fascial planes, um, actually, you know, it's very rare, but it is a possibility. And unfortunately, it can have deadly consequences consequences um something more common is if you have a tooth infection it could actually cause enough swelling that it could constrict your ear supply and causing you to stop breathing so wow um, there is definitely um bad things that could happen with untreated tooth disease it can kill you the teeth specifically I know you spoke about the mouth, but what do what do most people not realize about the importance of their teeth? Yeah, you know, I, going back to um, the digestion begins in the mouth. You know, the teeth are the engine of that, and so because the teeth are the engine of uh, beginning to digest your food um, and it, it's very it has a lot of nerve endings you know it's a very sensitive part of your body you know so it's it's very important for your overall well-being mm-hmm. you know because you you need to eat um also for your social well-being you know your smile and um a, a lot of people um will have increased self-confidence and self-esteem um, with an improved smile. It is your best accessory, um, you know. So that is very important for mental well-being. And if the COVID pandemic taught us anything, is that mental um, wellness is very important, Um almost as important or even more important than physiological wellness. And so, um, you know, your smile is is the gateway to, you know, your personality, your soul. Mm-hmm. You know, and as an orthodontist, I'm, you know, very in tune with that. Um, the motto for my uh, practice is confidence smiles for life um, because I think that, 
you know, having a confident smile is is going to open doors for you. You know, you're walking into a job interview, you know, a first date, you know. These are, having a confident smile could change your whole perspective, you know. And hearkening back to what I said that, you know, life, life really changed in instance, you know, when my neighbor told me something, you know, in an instant, it really changed the trajectory of my life, you know, and so can one smile change, change the trajectory of your life. Might find your wife or your husband. There you go. <laughs> you're one smile away. One, you're one smile away. Tell, <laughs> tell us about orthodontics. Like, why'd you, why did you, you know, dentistry is good enough for, you know, I mean, to be a dentist, it takes a lot of work. Why go further into orthodontics and why orthodontics? So an orthodontist is a dentist that um, has gone on for um, an additional two to three years to specialize in the art of moving and aligning teeth and um, fixing bites or malocclusions is a fancy word. Um, and why I chose to do that additional training is it's very cerebral mm. you know it's i practiced as a general dentist for a few years and what i found is that um you know doing fillings crowns extractions i sort of felt the, like it was the painful stuff <laughs> I, it, it felt more routine to me okay you know um i i enjoyed it you know i was helping people um but quick question before you continue <laughs> when you're in dental school who do you practice on we we have patients they we have clinics student clinics uh-huh which are supervised by faculty but our patients actually come and pay to see us they pay for the procedures and so how far in do they allow you to start the experimentation it wouldn't be experimentation. I mean, every dentist, even if you've been practicing for 50 years, you still say you're practicing. It's true. Um, and so we started practicing um, in our third year. The first person you would practice on, though, would be another dental student. Like a lab partner. Right. So the first person I gave an injection was... Um, the person that sat next to me in dental school. Um, you know, we practice giving each other laughing gas. We practice cleanings on each other. Um, we also did fillings on mannequins. So, you know, there are lots of fake teeth that we would um, have to pass exams and be proficient before we were allowed to um, practice on a real patient. Wow. Now, when we practice on an actual patient, we're under the supervision of um, a faculty member. And the, the dentistry is um, the most expensive profession. Mm. You know, so to train a dentist is actually the most expensive education um, out there on average. So, you know, our faculty, you know, would spend a lot of time in honing our skills and making sure that um, we're, you know, providing good service. 
because um, we take the Hippocratic Oath, you know, first, we do no harm. Mm-hmm. You know, our job is to help people. So when we uh, perform a filling, when we uh, perform an extraction, the goal is to get people to better dental health. Right. Going back to orthodontics now, how young and how old, I guess you could say, can patients be or, sh- or should patients be when when starting the whole procedure of whether it's braces or an align, a are they called aligners? Aligners, yes. Aligners, etc. Et so there's no age limit. Hmm. Um, I've had patients in their 80s. Okay. That um, I've... I'm 80, I want a better smile. I'm 80. This is something that I've done for my children or my grandchildren. And now they want to focus on themselves. Because, you know, as I said, it, it's... It's um, having a better smile um, or having straighter teeth allows you to not only be more confident, but it's also healthier for your teeth because when they're aligned better, you're better able to take care of them. Um, Clean them, etc. Exactly. All right. You don't um, wear them down prematurely when teeth are misaligned. They wear down, you know, it's easier for the edges to chip off. Um, So what we do in orthodontics, there's a cosmetic benefit. However, the biggest benefit is the overall optimal dental health that my patients achieve. All right. No. um... Now they start at the age of seven is when they should first see me. And then they could see me up to age 110. Even with baby teeth, they're, they're allowed to see an orthodontist? How does that work? There are times when um, the jaw needs to be... Um, there's an issue with the jaw. Even when the jaw has baby teeth, that needs to be addressed. Sometimes seeing them as young as six is the time when it's best to address that jaw issue, depending on what it is. Um, There are times when um, there are issues with the permanent teeth coming in. They could be blocked from coming in properly. So even though they're baby teeth, um, you know, we can catch that and start addressing it. You know, and I always say to my... um, my parents of patients that it's better to see them too early than too late. Too late. A bit of TMI for the audience, but I, my canines, I had double sets. So you're talking about, you know, the teeth not dropping fast enough. Like, literally, I, I, when I, <laughs> I remember the day I got braces, I was about nine years old, I had double sets. And the wire went from here up to here. And then back down. <laughs> and so he explained that he the tension in the wires would pull the canines down mm-hmm. and thus get rid of my baby teeth underneath. And within, I think, within a month, they were gone. So I don't know what the tension was on the, the you know, wire, etc. Um, no, this is fascinating stuff. What options do people have nowadays? Because, you know, we always have the stereotype of, oh... Oh, wire mouth and, and oh, all the names from the 80s that did call you. Oh, you, the bubble gum will get stuck on the braces. 
uh, braces are nerdy. What options do people have nowadays for aligning their teeth? Is it? We know it's not just the silver gray metal. <laughs> not the train tracks. Not the train tracks. <laughs> we, we know we have options nowadays. What what, are, what options are available for people um, wanting to correct their smiles? All right. So the specialty of orthodontics has been around for about 130 years. Um, and a lot has evolved since then. Um, one of the biggest evolutions that happened um, around the year 1998 was Invisalign. And what Invisalign is, is a clear aligner that you wear a series of it that um, slowly aligns your teeth um, or fixes your bite. You know, um, so it's a very clear and comfortable um, solution. And it's a way to fix your teeth without braces. Um, braces have actually evolved as well um, to be from being something that covers most of your teeth. That's very um, unattractive to mm. being something now that a lot of kids come in wanting braces because, you know, it's fun while they have it on. You know, we are straightening their teeth, but it's almost like a rite of passage. And so we do things that appeal to children and or even some adults to make sure that as they're um, working on their teeth, um, you know, this is something that is not intrusive into their life. No, because there is that age when everybody in your class has braces. Yes. Every that. that Fifth, sixth, seventh grade era. Right. Everybody has braces. And and now we're seeing that even younger and younger because, um, you know, the word is getting out that um, kids should be screened at an early age of around seven. And so um, with the... With the advent of newer technology, there are things that we could address earlier so that... Um, the treatment is more efficient and people can move on with their lives, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, because it's, um, I have patients in high school that, you know, the goal is, you know, let's get these braces off before my graduation prom or senior yeah. pictures, you know, you know, they're very important things that are going to come up socially that we want to have them have that beautiful, um, Smile before. I remember some singers getting clear or transparent brackets where they would still have to use the wire. Mm -hmm. But somehow, you know, in the 80s, that was high technology. If you had the, if you had the transparent ones, you know. Right. So ceramic brackets are actually um, something that I do a lot of mm. um, because it, you know, it has the benefit of something that is on the teeth. Um all the time so it's always working um, but it's definitely more aesthetic than traditional braces what works better Invisalign or traditional well different modalities work better for different issues okay any issues um, so it, it's hard to give a general answer because we customize our treatment and we customize a lot of in in my office um, of what we do based on 
who the patient is, you know, what their lifestyle is, as well as what's happening with their smile or bite. Mm-hmm. Dr. Bartley, if you were not the renowned, professional, well-loved orthodontist that you are, what would your career be? Surprise me. <laughs> Actually, I think that if, if I had a dream, um, another dream career, you know, I, I truly love what I do um, in orthodontics. But I think that if I was doing anything else in the world, it would be to work with um, a nonprofit where I could help provide um, either help to kids or scholarships to kids, um, something along those lines. Because, you know, there's something about... Um, helping children that appeals to me you know i mean is this is what i do um through the modality of dentistry um a lot um so i think i would definitely do something along that line helping people i'm seeing a theme here on any level whether it's through orthodontics or a non-profit you're a helper yeah so in in my um outside of the office i do um a lot of work with nonprofits um, such as 100 Black Men of Stanford, mm-hmm. um, the Cardinal Sheehan Center. Um, most of this is geared towards helping um, kids, you know, so whether it's by pro- for providing scholarships, whether it's um, the Cardinal Sheehan Center is an after school program, I'm on the board there. Um, and this is, you know, providing um, resources for children. What, why, is, what, I, why, is, why is giving back important to you? It's very important because there is no way I would be anywhere without people helping me along the way. You know, there are a lot of people that smiled on me, um, that, you know, helped me, gave me a book to read. You know, maybe gave me dinner one night, you know, um, gave me advice, told me there's a college fair. Mm-hmm. You know, there there is a lot of people that help me along the way. And there is no way I could ever forget or not reach back. Because so pay, I think that is very important. So paint it forward. Paint it forward. Mm. Paint it forward is very important. You know, and as a people, we need definitely need to do more of that talk about representation now that you mentioned in terms of people of african descent whether it be caribbean or african or african-american specifically um the opportunity to become a dentist was not always available historically for many people in the caribbean there wasn't any and everybody that could just I still not any and everybody, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it, it's it you know opportunities uh, are coming forward, and it's a lot better than say the nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties. You know, uh, speak about that a little bit. The importance of having people from within a culture in 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 roles such as you know dentists or orthodontics, etc. Well, there's a lot of um, research and data to show that people feel more comfortable with um, healthcare providers that are close to them culturally. 
so you know people from the caribbean are going to feel more comfortable with a caribbean dentist not that that's the only person they would choose but people tend to um prefer healthcare providers that are culturally similar to them you know um so when i was in dental school i was involved with something called the student ambassador program and what that would mean is that we um, would reach out to actually try and increase the numbers of um, underrepresented minorities in the dental profession so to give you a data point um, the African-American population in the United States is about 14%, but only about 4 to 5% of dentists are of African descent. Wow. And that's across the board. That is across the board. That is African-American, African... And Caribbean. And, and Caribbean. Yeah. Interesting. Um, or Afro-Caribbean. And so... Um, and that, that's the entire country. In the entire country. Wow. You know, and so because of that, um that disparity um you know there are differences in access to care that exist that it is thought that if you know we we level the playing field some of those disparities would be less Mm, interesting so it's very important to um you know have um uh, people that are underrepresented in the health professions um, increase their numbers because it's only gonna improve health outcomes for um, the patients. Hmm. Now, I mentioned earlier that you have a sister that studied dentistry as well, but you actually have a brother that studied dentistry too. What is going on with the Bartley household here? <laughs> the love of teeth. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 the um, I guess you could say I said a good example um, because uh, my first cousin is also a dentist. So are you the firstborn? I am the eldest. Okay. And um, my mom has three children. We we all are dentists. Um, Amazing. <laughs> but, but did you all practice the same? You're an orthodontist. I'm an orthodontist. Um, both my brother and sister, they're pediatric dentists. Interesting. Um, and my young cousin, my first cousin, is an orthodontist as well. Wow. It's a Bartley takeover. <laughs> and then my brother um, married a dentist who she has a sister who is a dentist as well. No, that's not. No. So last week at Thanksgiving, there were a lot of dentists. There are a lot of dentists if in the room. If anyone had gotten a bone or anything stuck in their teeth, they were okay. They were okay. <laughs> However, I forbid any talk about teeth. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You just want to chill out at home. Dr. Bartley, what does success look like to you? Success um, to me is that um, I'm continuing to evolve, Mm. gain knowledge, broaden my network, continuing to give back and help. And if um, a successful day would be a day in which I could change something for someone else, 
you know um i i in all my endeavors um my guiding light is that if i could help someone or change your trajectory to something more positive then to me that's success what would you say to your 12 year old self you're looking at the first or second form tremaine bartley what would you say to that guy <laughs> so at 12 is when i first thought about dentistry as a career because um i broke my front tooth hmm. and um after breaking my front tooth it happened the last week of summer and i was dreading to go back to school because last year another kid had broken his front tooth and we started calling him chippy oh no and in jamaica there's a brand of banana chips called chippies so all day we were like chippies 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 and I was dreading going back to school to be chippy. Chippy too. Right. Interesting. And so at 12 years old, um, I went to the dentist and he fixed my front tooth. And, you know, that to me that um, signified, you know, how important your teeth are. Right, 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 you know, right. Because I, faced with the choice of going to school with a chipped tooth and staying home, I would have stayed home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, and at this point in time, you know, um, that, that, that wouldn't have been good for my education. But I was willing to do that because I had a broken front tooth. To my 12-year-old self, I would um, say... No matter what happens in life, there's always a way where it will work out. And, you know, a, a bad day today doesn't mean that things are bad. You know, begin each day with a clean slate. Good advice. Two, advice, two other advice questions now. What advice do you have for... Someone who really wants to go to medical school in terms like they're at the brink, they're trying to decide. What's that thing that you probably didn't do? And you look back and say, you know, had I done this, this journey would have been that much easier. What's that thing? Network and learn as much as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, I, um, there are points in my life where I didn't know the value of networking and building your network, building your team of advisors. Um, you know, that's a lesson I know now that you really need a team behind you. Right. You know, no, no man is an island. And this and is family. This is, this is family. Friends. This is friends. This is well-wishers. These are just mentors. These are just people that, you know, you could learn something from everyone. So keep building your team. Awesome. Now, what is some of the best advice you've ever received? Some of the best advice I've ever received. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you specifically about being an entrepreneur within the dental field. Because you guys take on a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... And, and just, not to cut you off, but just for the sake of, of throwing out numbers here. 
What is the average price of a uh, a dental chair? The average price of a dental chair is about eleven to twelve thousand dollars, and that's one chair. One. So when you, however, uh, that chair can't work by itself. That chair needs a compressor machine, a vacuum machine. It needs an office to sit in. You need to be able to take x-rays to evaluate patients. You know, you need to have a desk. Um, you need to have staff to help you. Um, there, there is quite a lot that goes into running a, a practice. You need a website for people to, and to then and then and then as dentists, not the dentists, you guys actually pay insurance. Um, quite a bit, you know. There are different types of insurance that we. No, I mean to protect. Right. So there, there are quite a bit of insurances that we have to maintain. Oh, there's know, more than there's, one. There's malpractice insurance. There's business overhead insurance. There's general, um, general insurance for your equipment and supplies. Quite a bit. So yes, so <laughs> when you go to the dental office, be be kind to your dentist. They've they've gone through a lot to become an entrepreneur, and of course uh, to be a dentist. No, so so um, what's the best advice that someone's given you in terms of running your practice? Treat your team well. Focus a lot on your team, because you you can't do everything yourself, and when you have a good team you could step back and allow them to work and be awesome and i truly believe in that so in my office um, at bartley family orthodontics and bridgeport braces we invest a lot in team culture um, in team activities um, and team development because those people are my team that i work with are you know, so essential. I would be, you know, if one of them isn't there one day, you know, I really feel the difference because each one of them brings something very special to the service that we provide. And we were very focused on patients and giving them good service and good value for their time and investments in into themselves you know so we want them to have that confident smile at the end of the day so we want to make sure the team that's delivering that surface is very in tune and keen to providing good service so i think that having a great team um, working with me is is very important you are a father of two even at their young age ages what advice are you giving your daughters about life? Oh, a lot. They probably think I'm annoying. <laughs> <laughs> as they should, as they should. I, I try to find a, a, um, a lesson in everything, you know. Well, dear, do you know if you close the door this way, it's better because, you know, it goes towards the bigger picture. But more seriously, um, I what I try to um, model for my kids is is I believe that they they're gonna gain more from what they see me do than what they hear me say, and so I try to model 
positive behaviors for them, you know, and it goes back to the foundations, you know, honesty, respect, um, treating others well. Um, I think those are some of the most important things that I could show them. Um, and so that to me is the best advice I could give them, you know, is to how I carry myself and how I treat others. It's like you're responsible for what this human being will do for the rest of their life in this world. Carrying your name, by the way. Right. You know, <laughs> and um, it's, it's, it's a big responsibility, you know, because um, as much as I love my career and what I do at work, you know, my most important job is being a father to Olivia and Leah and making sure that they have the best opportunities and um, the best advice in life. Mm -hmm. Well said. What is the next big thing for Dr. Tremaine Bartley? What's your next, what's your next big move? <laughs> Constantly thinking about big moves. You know, I, um, I, are you on your own toothbrush line? What's going on? You know, um, developing a product line is something that has always intrigued me. Um, I'm not sure if it's a, along the lines of a toothbrush, um, but I definitely would want to create um, a product. And there's something I'm working on. It's still in the embryonic stages, so I, I can't... Top secret. ...mention, you know, um, anything yet. You know, it's still classified. But um, I think that having a product is, is very important for any brand um, and for the Bartley family orthodontic brand. Um, you know, there is something we're working on. And there's a lot of family in that brand. <laughs> certainly, certainly. <laughs> you know, so I today I actually was working in the same location as my brother. Um, and, you know, it's, it's always fun, you know. Um, I have everyone guess who's older. Um, I say, hey, if you forget who is who, just ask for the good-looking one. <laughs> it's like I grew up in the house with you, and now i got to work with you side by side. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, it's, it's, it's amazing, you know, because I... Um, Not many people get to do that, you know. Right, you know, and I left for college when my siblings were in elementary school, you know, oh, you're that so. much older <laughs> and to be able to see them, you know, as professionals, you know, um, you know, and knowing that they're, they go to work and people call them Dr. Bartley right, or Dr. Arrington. Cause, uh, my sister, um, changed her name after she got married. You know, it, it's, it's very special to me. You know, to know that um, in some capacity, I set the positive example of, you know, studying and applying yourself um, could lead to a good outcome. Was that when you were studying and, 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 you know, putting your hand to the plow, as it were, was that consciously on your mind? Like, I have two other people behind me looking at me? Well, my mom told me that, um, you know, you have a younger brother and a younger sister. You know, whatever we do for you, we could do once 
Mm. Because, you know, you're not our only child. Right. So you have to make use of your opportunities. And do for and help them as, as much and as you can. Help them. You know, helping them came natural to me, you know, and we followed a very very similar trajectory. You know, my um brother went to the same high school as me. Which high school was that? Wilmer's Boys School. And we know you guys love your Wilmers. Um, We've had a couple of Wilmers uh, alums it's, on, the, it's, uh, it's, it's, on the podcast. It's the oldest school in the Caribbean. Um, founded in 1729. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, so we both went to Wilmer's Boys School. Um, he went to college about 30 minutes from where I went to college in South Carolina, of all places. We went to the same dental school. UConn. Yep. And we worked together here in Connecticut. You know, so... Amazing. It, it's definitely, you know, a lot of um, crossing of paths. Um, my sister went to the same college as my brother, um, South Carolina State. She went to Howard for dental school. And... Now she's in her residency at Bronx Lebanon Hospital, which is where I did my organic wow. training. You know, and she'll probably be in Connecticut too. <laughs> I see it. So. I see it coming. <laughs> the Bartley takeover, I tell you. Um, you know, it's 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 nice. It's nice to know that um, as a family, we're we're so close. Mm-hmm. What is your ultimate goal when you are 105 years old and you're on the veranda on the porch of your villa whether in jamaica or wherever you'd like it to be and you're sitting there your kids are successful the wife is sipping on tea and you're looking out at the ocean what is that thing that you'd like to say that you'd say i wanted to accomplish this and I did accomplish this. What is your ultimate goal at the end of this? I would want a legacy or my legacy to be that um, my children and my grandchildren are successful um, in, and happy in whatever they pursue. Mm-hmm. You know? So it, it should be that... Um, if they decide to become an artist or a fashion designer, they're at the top of their fields. And so having um, a family legacy that is steeped in excellence would be my ultimate goal. Awesome. Now, Dr. Bartley, this is the point in the interview where I strap on my spacesuit and I jump out into the atmosphere and I leave you on Planet 30 all alone. What say you to the people of Planet 30? The planet is yours. Well, hello, Planet 30. <laughs> it was um, a pleasure to be here, to share some nuggets from my life, some aspects of my life. I hope it's helpful or entertaining. Um, to someone out there and um, if you know anyone ever wants to reach out anyone interested in dentistry um, 
please contact uh, Crispin. Um, you know, he has my contact information. Or you could reach out to me directly. My website is bridgeportbraces.com or bartleyfamilyorthodontics.com. Um, and my contact information will be there or on my social media platforms. My IG is Dr. Trey Smiles. Um, and I hope that this will be helpful to someone in some aspect. All right, all right. The last question of the night would have been what's your contact, but you've already done that for us. He is an entrepreneur, an orthodontist, a philanthropist, and soon-to-be product developer, I'm hearing. <laughs> Doctor, and, oh, and most importantly, father of two. And husband. Husband, husband and father yes. of two. Yes. Let's not get in trouble here. Yes. Let, let, I don't want to find my clothes in the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> and your toothbrush. <laughs> Dr. Trevay Bartley, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on Planet 30. Crispin. Thank you so much for welcoming welcoming me to Planet Thirty. This was great, and you know, look me up, people. Bridgeportbraces.com. <laughs> Get your teeth straight. Get your smiles on. <laughs> Take care. Confident smiles for life. Thank you for listening to this episode of Planet Thirty. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at OnPlanet30. Like us on Facebook.com/slash Planet Thirty. Our email address is onplanet30 at gmail.com. That's O-N-P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y at gmail.com. For more information about Planet 30, visit our website, planet30.com. That's P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y dot com. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30.